MSW Media. Well, pour yourself a glass, sit for a spill. It's time to have some fun. Let's do a little thinking, some picking and a drinking. This is what we're drinking with Dan Dunn. Welcome to the show. It's great to have you. And I mean that. I really do. I mean it. Coming up on this episode, we've got David Walker of Firestone Walker, California's own beer. They're celebrating 25 years in business. I'm going to talk to David all about that. They were one of the early craft breweries in this country, and I, I want to hear all about it, and you're going to hear all about it, and that's coming up in just a little bit. Reminder to follow me at The Imbiber on Instagram and Twitter at WWD underscore podcast on Instagram. The podcast has its own Instagram. He's all grown up. And what else? Oh, yeah, I've got a big, we got a big April coming. Maybe Snoop Dogg. Actually, Snoop Dogg might be the next episode, but go figure. He's been a little flaky, but we're hoping we're going to have Snoop Dogg. Also coming up in April, we've got Nick Jonas and John Varvatos going to be on the show. And of course, not of course, you wouldn't know this, but now you're going to know it. Our old friend, my old friend, Maynard James Keenan. That's right. Lead singer of Tool, Pussifer, Perfect Circle. Also a winemaker extraordinaire. Maynard's going to be on the show in a few episodes from now. So we're very excited about that as well. Reminder to check out the Stereo app. It's where podcasters go. It's kind of like Clubhouse, but it's not Clubhouse. It's Stereo. All right. Just check it out. I'm on there. Follow me. Stereo.com slash Dan Dunn. And before we get to David Walker, I want to start off with a story. My writing partner, Scott Alexander, and I, a few years ago, we started compiling stories from bartenders for purposes of doing a book. We've not yet done the book, but we will do it. But these, we got all these great stories. I've done a few of them on the show, but it's been a while. And I thought, you know, let's do another one. I was at a place you've heard me mention before called Nueva, which is here in Venice, California. I was there the other day, and my friend Adam Fournier is now running the bar there, but he used to run the Nomad Bar in downtown LA. He used to run a place called Ariel in Santa Monica. And I got a great story from Adam. We called it You Never Know. Adam describes himself as an unlicensed whiskey sommelier. And as I said, he was the bar manager at Nomad Los Angeles. He's now the bar manager at Nueva in Venice. So this is a story that Adam told me, and I'm going to tell it. In Adam's voice, although I will not be impersonating him, uh, I will not try to get his tone down, but I will be telling it in the first person. So here we go. I started bartending when I was 20 years old, mainly because I applied and the guy misread my resume. I loved bartending because it made you feel cool and you make good money. You never know who's going to be on the other side of the bar. When I was the bar manager at Ariel, I started Whiskey Wednesdays. Every week, we'd feature a different whiskey provide a historical write-up on it, produce a range of custom-made cocktails made with it, and bring in a live band. It's a way to get people in, get them excited, and introduce them to a lot of the great stuff we had kicking around the back bar. 
My favorite band that played there was the Overstreet's New Orleans Jazz Band. This incredible 10-piece Big Easy style group. Their tuba player was this big guy named Dave Silverman. He's a crazy character with a tuba with a big old flame down the side. After their sets, he'd always come hang at the bar afterwards and talk whiskey with me, and over the next bunch of months, we ended up hanging out a lot. One night, while I was helping some other customers, I saw he was sketching something on the back of a menu. When I got back over to him, I saw it was a drawing of Homer Simpson tipping a bottle into his mouth and saying, Mmm, whiskey. It was hilarious. Looked just like Homer. Whoa, I said. I had no idea you could draw. He said, oh yeah, I've been doing it for a while. You want it? I should note here that The Simpsons is my favorite show of all time. One of my favorite things in all of life. I happily accepted it and took it home for my collection. The band kept playing our Whiskey Wednesdays and Dave kept hanging with me at the bar afterwards. And sometimes he'd make more sketches. Always of The Simpsons. It took some prodding, but eventually he confided that he had a connection to the show. In fact, he was one of the animators. In fact, he was one of the original animators. One of the original, original animators. Like back when it was on the Tracy Ullman show, Original Animators. The guy also directed the Simpsons movie. No big deal. So here's this guy I've been talking to about whiskey every week for going on a year, and it turns out he's a seminal figure in the history of something that's given me an incredible amount of personal joy. And that without knowing it, I have four original, personalized sketches by the guy sitting back at my apartment, which I got framed the next day. They are, by far, the best tips I've ever received. But more than that, they're touchstones for me for why I love this business. As bartenders, we have thousands of interactions every day. Some great, some crappy, but you never know who's going to show up on the other side of that bar. Sometimes you take a bunch of shit from somebody who's pissed that you cut them off. Sometimes you get a big laugh out of a great joke a stranger tells you. And sometimes, you end up with the greatest pieces of art you'll ever own. How about last night? You might have noticed Daddy acting a little strange, and you probably don't understand why. I understand why. You were wasting... I admit it. I didn't know when to say when. Folks, I've never admitted this on the show before, but I'm a guy. Yeah, it's true. And as a guy, I'm here to tell you that so much of our identity is wrapped up in our hair. That's why when we get into our 20s and 30s and start noticing the first signs of hair loss, it definitely feels like panic time. Thankfully, now there's Keeps, the simple and easy way to keep your hair. Treatments start at just $10 per month. Plus, for a limited time, you can get your first month free. That's right, free. Go to keeps.com slash drinking to receive your first month of treatment for free. Take care of your hair, and your hair will take care of you. Firestone Walker Brewing Company was founded in California's Central Coast in 1996. The mathematicians out there will note that that means this is the 25th anniversary Firestone Walker. Joining me now is a guy who co-founded the brand, Mr. David Walker. How are you, David? Good. Great to be here. It's great to have you, man. I've, I've been a fan of the beer for a long time, and I, I want to say congratulations right up front on 25 cool. years. Man, that is no small accomplishment. And I'll raise, I've got the 805 Cerveza here, and I will cheers, cheers you with that. There we go. Amen. Take Amen. my first sip of beer of the day. Here we go. Hmm. You know, I should crack one too. Yeah, you should. Absolutely. I'll be offended. That's, that's so, in addition to 25 years, you, yeah. you've, got, you've got a lot going on we're going to cover in this episode, you've got a uh, got a new thing happening 
uh, call a beer club called Brewmasters Reserve. I want to talk about yeah. that. I want to talk about the history. There's so much I want to get to you with. But let's start. Let's roll it back, okay, to 1996. Right. Yeah. When you started this, I saw a statistic earlier today that said there are currently about 8,300 craft breweries operating in the United States right now. And I don't yeah. know if that number might be, you know, it's got to be close. What, what did it look like 25 years ago? <laughs> you know, there was about 400. Um, and um, it was a very weird place to open a brewery. I mean, um, you know, I've, I, I, I bear repeat my, myself, you know, the fact is, you know, our biggest competition when we opened our brewery was, was indifference. You know, no one cared about beer. I mean, it was it was just sort of a consumer product that didn't have a huge amount of dimension. It was all about brand and refreshment and good times. And um, so, you know, we we were trying to talk about recipe and provenance and tradition and process and people, and no one was interested. So it was a really different time. Um, but, you know, just like all of these things, um, you know, the world slowly changed because lots of people started talking about it and us and 400 brewers and several thousand that followed us were all making our own beer and sh- sharing it with our friends and sharing it with their friends. And, um, and eventually I like to say that West coast American brewers changed the world of beer. I mean, craft beer changed everything. That's a great point. I want to talk to you about David. So I, you know, I grew up on the East coast from mm-hmm. Philadelphia and you know, when I was great beer, when I great was a, beer town, great, beer, amazing beer town. Really, yeah. maybe, arguably, my friend uh, Christian De Benedetto, you know him, writer, beer yeah. guy. I think yeah. he called Philly the best beer town in America. It so, is. Uh, so yeah. But back in the day, you know, people were drinking Budweiser, Schlitz. You know, my first exposure to what I guess would be a craft beer was there. There was a place in my neighborhood when I was in college called the Ortlieb's Jazz House. Now Ortlieb's was a beer, but yep. that, that, it had been abandoned. But they had it in. But the beer that I kind of that the first craft beer I had was Anchor Steam, yeah, which was fr- from San Francisco. And then I, yeah. and then probably right around the same time was Samuel Adams. Yeah. So how? Jim Cook to me always kind of stood out as a guy that now it's a huge fucking brand now, but back in the day, I mean, Jim was out working the beer festivals and doing that. I didn't know how instrumental California was. And now I think it's widely accepted that California was sort of the cradle of the craft beer. Absolutely. I mean, you know, obviously I'm biased, but I'll, I'll, um, I'll, I'll double down on that. You know, um, Fritz Maytag, um, you know, he bought, the Ankerstein Brewery in 1964, um, I, I believe so. Um, got out of college and had some bendy foldies and bought a, a, a you know a disused brewery and started to make steam beer. Um, and you know that created you know a series of other folks. Obviously, most notably Ken Grossman, who started Sierra Nevada um, in the early 80s. That was early 80s, Chico. I guess. Then Sierra Nevada. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I think they've just celebrated their 40th. Um, but. Um, and then from there, stuff just sort of slowly started to, to open up. But you know, California, we always used to grow. I mean, it, it's it, it, hops were grown up in the up in the Mendocino County area, and so brewing is was always in our in our um, in our future. I mean, it wasn't. It's weird. It wasn't until um, I think Willie Brown and and uh, and Jimmy Carter somehow they were involved. They changed the rules on home brewing, so you could actually brew beer, alcoholic beer, at home. 
And that really was was the catalyst that got everybody sort of into this idea. Well, hang on a second. If I'm brewing beer at home and maybe I can start a brewery and then, you know, laws started to change. And before you knew it, you had a, uh, you know, you had a riot on your hands. You were doing business in the tech world, right? Prior to to launching. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I, I I came over here to the Silicon Valley. Um, I mean, I married a California girl. Um, and um, but we ended up, it's sort of weird. We ended up sending, settling the central coast. Uh, we bought a bankrupt vineyard and we were growing grapes. Her brother was running a third generation family winery in the in the neighborhood. This is in Paso Robles? No, this is actually down in sort of the San Inez Valley. Here. San Inez. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Got it. And, and so we said, and, uh, you know, we, we both uh, had a sort of an artisanal bias, you know, the idea of taking stuff from soil to glass. We loved it. And, um, you know, it just, um, but slightly counterproductively we 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 both preferred beer um so we said why don't we make some beer and and what's really interesting is the american wine arc you know the the revolution that what happened in the american wine business from the sort of 70s through to where it is today um really mirrors what's happened with craft beer i mean in in the early 70s you know one of the number one selling wines in america was ripple i mean you can't even find that now um, but you only had a choice of a handful of American wines, and then the rest were imported. Well, the, the judgment of Paris, I think, was probably. And by the way, I, I should mention that Steve Sperrier just died. Uh, I think he just oh, really? passed away. Yeah. Uh, so raise a glass to him. Steve Sperrier was the was the guy who put on the judgment of Paris. And for those of you not to get too bogged down in that, but basically it was in 1976, I believe, and yeah. it was held in France with the top tasters in France. It was a blind yeah. tasting, and Steve Sperrier was convinced that the wines from this little cow town in America, Napa, in Napa, or, or, or surrounding area, could compete. And they, not only did they compete, they won. And they won. That, that was, I guess, launched a I don't know yeah. how much money the wine industry in America is worth, but a very similar thing, I guess, happened with beer, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's the beers. Um, I mean, we never had that sort of aha moment because the beer world is slightly different than the wine world. Um, but, um, I, you know, without question, uh, the, the beers coming out of California are irrelevant all over the world. And and actually, you know, mainly, you know, mainly because beer is, sorry, mainly because beer is... Um, perishable and heavy it's it's not you know it's not as easy to export around the world as wine so what you end up happening is you have american style breweries opening up in london in berlin in and all over the world so um you know we've really really changed changed the world of beer um you know you had the germans and their teutonic sort of Reinheitsgebot, which was a very disciplined way to make beer and then across the world you have um sort of American brewers completely throwing the rule book out of the window, dry hopping beers, doing all sorts of things, uh, you know, uh, working with with highly floral and, and uh, aromatic hops, um, just just changing the whole the whole dynamic. You're sort of dating that back to the 60s up in San Francisco or, or there's other. Yeah, people I mean, doing- it, I would say, uh, yeah, from the, the 70s and the 80s was really when the hop forward beers started to play. I mean. I mean, uh, Fritz's um, Anchor Steam Steam beer was a was a was a pretty traditional beer, um, and um, it, it, I, I would say that the you know the hop forward brewers like Ken Grossman showed up sort of fifteen or so years later. Um, but hey, I'm just guessing and having a beer here. I don't want to get in trouble. Yeah. So. <laughs> so when you you guys come along in in '96 and uh, you and Adam Firestone, yeah. yeah, you get this thing going. 
you're, you, where are you operating out at first? Was it Paso or was it Santa Barbara? No, we um, we basically rented a uh, an old barrel room from the family winery, and um, we pulled together some old dairy equipment and an old brew house, and we were we were actually brewing the beer on the back forty of a Chardonnay vineyard. Um, I'll deny it if anybody asks, because I'm not even sure we had the proper permit. Um, I think we had a winemaking permit or something, but. Um, you know, we, we, we figured that out after a while, but it was very low key. I mean, very, very low key. And, um, um, from there we, we grew and what, basically what happened, we ended up in Paso Robles because we stumbled upon a, a facility up there that was perfect for us. And so we sort of moved an hour up the road and, um, made Paso Robles our home. And who's drinking the beer at this point when you, your friends, restaurants yeah. people you know i mean yeah how does distribution work back then because as you said there was not a big market for this at the time no there wasn't and in real terms you know um you know beer although it's a beautiful and old old world thing is that you know it's a it's a it's a controlled substance in most developed countries you know so you it's regulated on how you can actually get it to market i can't just wander around selling my beer to people. It has to go through wholesalers, licensed wholesalers, and in turn has to take it to licensed retailers. Um, and in those days, for small brewers, it was impossible to get distribution because all the big wholesalers were really controlled by the big brewers, you know, the Millers and the Bud and the Coors. And, you know, those guys were unbelievable commercial operators. They didn't want small brewers coming into their wholesalers um, and, uh, you know, uh, taking the priority off their beers. So um, it was incredibly difficult to get distribution. And if you didn't have distribution, you couldn't get it delivered to stores. And if you couldn't deliver to stores, you can get to the consumer. So, I mean, it was a, it was a complete riddle to solve. Um, and, you know, we all figured it out eventually, but it took a while. You know, I, beer has never been my forte. I, I would say spirits and then wine and then beer. I do dabble and I do know people in that world. We mentioned Christian. Yeah. Um, the beef I hear is the biggest complaint. It's the, it's the, eh, you two sold out. This band sold out. It's the same thing in beer, but it is literally happening when they say these brands sold yeah. out and then they'll say, well, they're not the same. And you guys sold a few. It's not the same now ever since. Right. What do you say to that? I mean, is there, is there any credence to the idea that, you know, the, the, the big, boys come in and just buy up the blue moons and you guys and, and Sierra Nevada and, and then mass produce them. Yeah. I mean, without question, there's, I mean, that's how big, you know, that's how big breweries grow is they, you know, instead of developing brands themselves, they see hot brands and they, they buy the brand and they, they integrate it into their breweries. Um, and they usually, obviously they don't develop the existing infrastructure of the, the brewery that they have um, acquired. And that, and that's a problem. Um, in our case, we, we sold the majority of our brewery to a brewery that actually in volume is smaller than we are in Belgium. Um, and, um, they don't really have an operation in the U S to speak of. So certainly in our area, um, and, you know, we just sort of felt that, uh, you know, that was, that was a way for us in order to develop the brewery because, you know, a big problem with brewers is they, they grow uh, breweries is they grow a little bit like June bucks, you know, they, all of it, you know, once you um, start getting people's attention, they grow and they grow and they grow. And as brewers, you're constantly trying to find money. You know, you, you're sort of the more beer you make, the more money you have to spend. I mean, it's capital intensive. Um, and you get to a point where all of a sudden you've gone from 
you know, having to spend a couple of million dollars on a plant to be look, to looking at a 50 to 100 million dollar expansion. I mean, which is crazy. I mean, for most mortals, you look at that thing and you go, how, uh, you know, how does that work? <laughs> and, you know, the, you know, your local bank manager isn't interested in playing at that level. So um, usually you have to partner up at some point to get to these sort of levels. Um, and, um, you know, I, I still call our brewery a lemonade stand, but, you know, we've spent close to $100 million on building it out. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it, we, we still, all of us, and there's now, you know, 400 or 500 of us, we all walk around the plant just sort of pinching ourselves, saying, you know, how the, how the fuck did this happen? That's crazy. Um, I mean, it just, you know, they, breweries grow and, um, and it's, it, they, they need to be funded. And that's where a lot of the, you know, the incentive for these um, either acquisitions or mergers or whatever you want to call them. There's this thing, there's this possessiveness. I think maybe that's what it was touching on earlier is fans of your beer. Yeah. Maybe they get disillusioned as more and more people start to go, because it's like, no, this was my beer. Cause there is that, right. There's that kind of coolness factor when you discover right. this, this little beer that nobody knows. I, I've yeah. with the other one, goose Island. Yep. I had yeah, a friend yeah. that told me about that a long time. And now he's like, oh, man, that shit sucks now. <laughs> but I think he's just pissed off because they got so big. You know, and mm-hmm. do you find that at all with people that have been in, or do you have any sort of a uh, a loyalty program <laughs> or something like that? You know, I mean, the um, the people who really know their beer um, are um, using their palate to make their judgment. And so um, that's where we have that argument is in the brew house. And we, I like to say we win most of those arguments. I mean, folks who, who are just sort of chasing the next, you know, the next cool thing, or they, they just like small discoverable things. And yeah, without question, we've been around 25 years. They, they've already moved on from, from who we are. I mean, I, you know, I like to think that, um, you know, we still run the brewery. We still show up every day. We still, um, uh, love what we do. Um, and, uh, you know, we're pretty true to the principles of our guiding principles that we set up years ago. How many different beers do you, I mean, the one I have here, I got the 805 survey. So this is a spinoff of the, the original 805, right? Correct. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Now this thing is absolutely delicious. I, I mentioned to you, uh, before we got on David, I said, one of my things about beer is that I, don't drink it as much, particularly as I, you know, I start getting up there in age because I'm worried about, you know, packing on the pounds. And there's always been this idea that if you, you drink beer, it's going to be, it's not, it's heavier than, but you, you said no. Like what, what is this? What's this that thing beer called? Is, like I said, that beer is 110 calories. It's not technically brewed to be a light beer. I mean, it's a, it's a lager. Uh, we brew it with some lime okay. and, you know, it's designed, it's designed to be, you know, crushable um now you know a, a glass of wine will be somewhere between 100 and 120 calories um i think uh, uh, uh a, a vodka soda is is you know a plain one is 50 but the minute you start dropping other stuff in it it goes through the roof so you know i think it's all um you know it's all a matter of how much you drink obviously and, I've um, had 19 of these before we started the show, and, and I feel I, I think I'm still on top of my game right now. No, I'm kidding. Let me let me let me give you let me give you a couple of hints. First of all, drink beer out of a wine glass it slows the whole process down. You start getting even this, aromas. even the 805. Yeah, absolutely. Put that in a put that in a in a beautiful. Hold on, wine I'm gra- I'm going to grab a wine. Give me a second here. Okay. I want to do this the proper way. Give me a second. All right. And now a word from one of our dream sponsors. Lowenbrow Beer, circa 1982. 
Here's two good friends. Do you guys realize this is our fourth summer place together? Remember that old beach house we had? How about the time you two almost set the woods on fire? <laughs> okay, who's ready for a lower growl? When you want the taste of a truly great American beer, tonight, let it be low and brow. You know, I think we finally got this down to a heart. Let it be low and brow. Okay, this is exciting because I've never, I don't think I've ever had beer out of a wine glass. So I'll, I'll try the, this 805 in here. And why am I doing this again? Uh, it's the same way you would, wouldn't drink wine out of a bottle. Um, you know, it's it's the aromas. It lets wait, the beer. Wait, wait what? A, I wouldn't yeah. do that. <laughs> hey, we haven't hung out yet, David. Wait, yeah, wait, wait, we hang out one day. We're like this, right. this crazy <laughs> son of a bitch. Uh, uh, yeah. You know, I, I have. Yeah, you know, but uh, yeah, but it's it. Uh, you know, move it around. Um, you know, all of a sudden, the the whole experience. Agi- agitate it. You're saying agitate a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. Take a okay. look at it, smell right. it. Yeah. Um, and and drink it, and changes the whole experience. Um, it absolutely does. I feel. And it's, I feel and, classier. And it slows it down. Yeah. I mean, you can you can go to a white tablecloth restaurant, order a beer, ask them to bring it in a wine glass, pour it in a wine glass, and it'll you know you'll drink it at about the same pace as you might drink two and a half to three glasses of wine and put yourself you know on the wrong side of driving, and you know with beer you can you know stick it in a glass and and and, and nurse it that way. I mean, it's there's a Firestone Walker uh, brew pub down here very yeah. close to my house i'm going to go there particularly once everything starts really getting open again so when right. you're saying when i go in there and i request mm. my wine in a wine glass they're not going to look sideways at me no absolutely okay. not and they're going to um they're going to depending on the beer you order they're going to give you the specific glass but um yeah ask for it in a tulip or in a wine glass that's an excellent beer that 805 cerveza what does that go for a six-pack of that I know it's different all over, but generally, it, it you know it. Uh, geez, it'll go anywhere between sort of nine ninety nine and ten ninety nine. So, yeah. so now here's the other beers I have, and you tell me which I should try. Now I've got the Mind Haze IPA, I've got the Double Barrel Ale, and then I've all got right, this drink. This drink TBA. That was the first beer we made, and I got this so, Parabola. Right. Okay, we'll save that for later. Save that for later. Okay, so yeah. which one am I doing now? Crack the DBA. DBA, okay. So, so th- this is an English pale ale. This is the beer. This beer embodied all of our hopes and dreams as a brewery. Um, this beer goes through partial fermentation in 60-gallon oak barrels. Um, it's a, it's a, it's, it's as classic a style. Amen, look at you. Um, it's, as, it's as classic a style as you're going to find um, in terms of English pale ales made in this country. I mean, it's, it's really delightful. Mild hops. Now, tell us the difference between an English pale ale. Well, an American I, pale ale, an English pale ale is is has mild hops. They actually call them noble hops. Um, the uh, an American uh, an American pale ale. They're a lot more floral. Um, you sort of like marmalade, um, uh, just sort of sort of floral um, aromas and and flavors, but um, and 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 a lot more bitter. But the English pale ale is a little bit more rounded. You got some caramel flavors there, biscuit, um, and it's you know delightful. A little bit of fruity, sort of yeast mid palate. Oh man! Wow, this is. And now you're making this one. Where are you making this one? This we, is we make, in, we, yeah, we make all of these up in Paso Robles. 
Oh, I but, yeah, but this was this is a great beer to have with with food with with meat. I mean, really delightful. I mean, it's a. I mean, it, to give. I mean, this this style is um, this to me is bass at the brewery. Bass that you drink in the U.S. and and forgive me if anybody here is associated with that 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 brewery. But by the time it gets to the U.S. and by the time it's sort of screwed around getting into your hands, it, it's it's not the beer it should be. Um, but this was, you know, this is to me, this is this is a bass style um, English pale ale made in the Burton upon Trent. I mean, we do a thing called Burtonize our water here. So in Paso Robles, we actually strip the water of its qualities and rebuild them up to mimic the water of the Burton upon Trent, just so we can get closer to that English pale ale traditional flavor. I really enjoy this because one of the issues I have is I'm I'm not a fan of I think they're. They call them hop bombs, you know, yeah, where they, no, that, no. that hoppiness just, and this one, this one to me is just the perfect amount of hops. Right. It's, it's yeah. subtle, but, yeah. but yet, but yet it comes through. Right. I can taste the flavor, but it's not, yeah. it's not pounding me here. Right. Yeah. And that's, uh, yeah. I mean, another great beer to drink in a wine glass. I mean, part of the dynamic of the American beer revolution is it's all been around hops. So, you know, that might be part of your, um, dynamic here is you keep bumping into highly hopped American craft beers. And, um, you know, balance is obviously a huge part of what we strive for as a brewery because obviously we want to sell beer. Um, and I, I think people's palates are looking for balance. Um, but I liken the movement with hops in craft beer is the movement with sort of big, juicy, fruity wines. You know how wines went from the sort of sophisticated um, – uh, uh, you know, the, the, a more sophisticated, subtle sort of flavor to these. You're an old world European style right. to, Bingo. to the, yeah. to the California. These hey, giant bombs. Yeah. These, here it these, comes. Right. Exactly. Now somewhere in the middle, I like to be, um, you know, I find those, I find those, those, those tired French wines, you know, um, not great. And then, but I, you know, I'll, I'll go and try like a, you know, the latest and greatest wine that's, that's sort of, off the charts on points and it's just it's just sort of like a giant blackberry thing you know and it's um it's just different so, it's, yeah I, and and hops are to me do a similar thing for beer now you mentioned you know making the beer one of the things you you're doing you're incorporating solar energy yeah into the production of yeah. the beer it now is, let's that, talk a little bit about that because you know let's face it not only do people care a lot about the provenance of the beer, but they also, uh, and, and this is a very good yeah. thing, are caring yeah. about what, what this thing I'm drinking or eating is right. doing to the environment. So talk about what you guys are doing up there with that. Well, you know, as a, as a brewer, it's sort of reflexive to want to preserve your inputs. And, you know, and that's just, that's been tradition for thousands of years. You know, water's always been hard to find. Energy's always been hard to create. And raw materials have been hard to ship and find and grow. So brewers have always been somewhat prudent. So the minute we got the opportunity to actually put solar into the brewery that could actually manage our capacity, we produce, the majority of our energy is produced from a 10-acre solar array that we have um, on the property. Um, we did it. And um, it actually, you know, it saves us money. We're able to say our beer is brewed with California sunshine. And we're obviously we're blessed with 300 plus days of sunshine. Um and uh, which is why you're probably here from Philly and I'm here from England. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's, it's, uh, so we, we, we make the most of it, you know, I mean, it's, it's, uh, 
and and it's it's been great for us. It's been really good. And I also want to talk about this new the new club you got, the beer club. You're calling this the uh, Brewmasters Reserve. Yeah, actually, we we started by calling it Brewmasters Reserve, and then um, you know one of our brother brewers said, you know, you can't use the word reserve. We've got the word reserve for our club. So we ended up calling it the Brewmasters Collective, um, which is fine. It all means the same thing. And, um, in, you know, in this, it's, a, it's a collection of rare beers that um, uh, those, those avid beer fans can get their hands on. We don't make a lot of these. A lot of these beers, um, you got one right there, Parabola. Um, and, uh, you know, these beers we don't make a lot of. That beer has been aged in... Uh, in um four roses um bourbon barrels for a couple of years oh, yeah um it's it's blended and and lovingly um filtered and 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 turned into you know what you're about to drink there 14 percent alcohol by volume um and in some ways it's like a box of chocolates that beer um it's just the parabola we're talking about parabola yeah it's okay, all yeah. dark chocolate strong um 14 alcohol i'll be drinking a quarter of that since i have dinner plans this evening <laughs> but you know you should crack that beer seriously you should crack that beer with a bowl of ice cream and share it like just drink about three ounces of it i mean it'll just now i don't now i don't want to open it because i only got one <laughs> <laughs> And I don't have any ice cream. I do have an ice cream. I have an ice cream sandwich. I do have ice cream sandwiches in my refrigerator. Uh, Maybe I'll save that for later. But uh, I, so it says a a thousand people. How do people get involved in the club? What do they got to do? Well, we limited it. um, And, um, you know, because we make a small amount of these beers. And when we release them, um, people travel to the brewery and buy them. Or um, in some cases, there's, you know, there's some high end, um, uh, wine and beer sets in, in in stores like Whole Foods or in I mean I mean you name it most most actually most great grocery stores in California have now a fine a fine beer set um, so you can usually find these but they they go very quickly you know there's there's a case here and a case there so um, two ways you can guarantee you can get it you come to the brewery and buy it at the brewery or you can join our club and uh, the club's limited um, in terms of membership and. Uh, um, so they but, just go to the website for that. Uh, yeah, actually, we've the uh, um, the membership sign up for this year is is done. We've already sold out. Uh, so. <laughs> by the way, we just spent ten minutes selling this thing. And, uh, oh, and by the way, and and here's the kicker: you're yeah. shit out of luck. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, next next year we'll be signing up more memberships, but um, you know we want. Wait, I've got it. an idea. I've got an yeah. idea. I think this will placate those that are upset about this. Okay. All right, listen, folks. Here's what yeah. we'll do. David will send me the beers. I'll taste them, yeah. tell you about them on the show, and you can live vicariously through me. How's that? <laughs> That's, That's the best I can do. Yeah. Bingo. Sorry. Um, well, yeah. okay, but that, hey, that's a good thing that you've already yeah. sold it out. Yeah, it is. Let's. I want to. I want to try this one now. The Mind Haze IPA. All right. So this is this is that big fruit bomb I was telling telling you about on the wine side. I mean, this is a this is actually out of the northeast. This is a New England IPA. This is this is where. This is what the cool kids want to drink nowadays. And it's a... It's what do you a, mean by New England IPA? What does it, that mean? This was developed in New England. I mean, this these styles came out of the Northeast. Um, and they um, this was the way that some of those cool brewers on the East Coast wanted IPAs to look and taste. Wow, and it, the nose on this is right. so different. This is so vastly different than both of the beers I had. Bingo. Super tropical. This thing is jammed with hops. New age, new world hops. Um, it's unfiltered, so you've got a nice body to it. There's a, a, a sort of a yeast that gives it sort of a turbid 
um, look. And it's 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 what I I like to say it's sort of childlike, tropical flavors, balance. Um, sort wow, of, yeah. man, that is that is just a. It's so juicy and fruity and bingo, yeah. It's got the texture though is different too than the other beers. It's it's got this sort of rich, lush texture to it. Right. I mean, a smoothie's the wrong word, but it's it's sort of of that tribe. And you know, and it's because the beer is not filtered, um, so it still has a lot of the sort of. Um, so for the neophytes out there, what do you when you say it's not filtered? What, what, well, why all, not? Well, all beer is filtered. Um, or, or, or not all beer, obviously, this one isn't. Um, Hefeweizens aren't. Um, but um, for a start, from a style standpoint, for hundreds of years, um, brewers have filtered their beers so it's clear. Um, so it's, it's essentially bright beer. Um, some styles of beers, like, like a, a wit beer or a Hefeweizen, are not filtered. Um, and so it has, you know, some of the uh, some of the body that you essentially filter out during the process. And some people like beer that way. And um, in this case, um, uh, you know, that, that this beer is a, is an unfiltered IPA. So it's similar to chill filtration in wine. Oh, excuse me, not in wine, excuse me, chill filtration in, I've had, I've had some beer. Uh, chill filtration in alcohol is mainly an aesthetic process uh, to, because it gets hazy when it gets cold and the, right. they didn't like the look of it. But you're seeing more and more non-chill filtered whiskeys, especially because right. that stuff that you were taking out yep. is the good stuff, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, you could argue it's the good stuff. And um, I, this is a, uh, it's, it's a slightly different driver, but it's the same outcome, which is um, you can drink your beer filtered or unfiltered. There's no difference. Um, other than than flavor, I mean, it's just as just as good for you, and it's just you know, it, it's it's great beer. So when they say when you see hazy or haze on a, that means basically that it's just it's not filtered. Correct. Part of the part of the problem with hazy beers is actually making essentially having the having that the haze sort of consistent throughout the beer because what can often happen is is the haze can basically settle out. And then, you know, then the consumer sort of looking at it. There's nothing worse than pouring something out of a can and, and all of a sudden there's sort of dollops of haze <laughs> of, of material that actually are part of the haze. I mean, the, the, the difficult thing about making hazy beers, and it's driven through the yeast, is to create this sort of uniform haze, um, you know, almost like a juice. That's why they call them juicy and tropical. Okay. Um, but it's absolutely, it's a, it's a perfectly made beer. What's your signature beer i mean would 805 be it or what's what's the yeah we make we make 805 which is a blonde ale and the cerveza which is a lager and um what's fascinating is those beers are drunk um by a full gamut of 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 beer drinkers people who might drink uh corona modello bud will drink an 805 that beer drinker won't necessarily drink a mind haze um uh, or or uh you know uh, or even a dba um, so the, the, you know, the market who drinks that beer for us is, 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 is huge. So we, we make a lot more of that beer than we do, for instance, the mine haze. Have you ever thought about trying some gimmicks? What I love about the beer business is over the years, there have been some of the most insane developments of all time. Like let's start with the, 
the can it, it turns blue when it's ready to drink. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Who? What demographic were they catering to here? Like the, right. that right. one, and then there was also the the wide mouth can. Like again, was there? Did they do some marketing research and somebody say, you know, I love the beer, but I find I can't drink it fast enough. Right. I, you know, I generally <laughs> like to have my beer down my gullet in four <laughs> seconds. And could you guys do that? And then there was like the Vortex can, like the beer business. Oh, you yeah. got to give them credit, especially when you're talking about the big brands. They will trip over themselves to come up with some bullshit. And I'm wondering, have you ever thought about like maybe even as a, as a joke to do something silly like that? Or are there any craft breweries? You know, I mean, craft brewers, by the fact, you know, they're tinkerers. So that, you know, they put chocolate cake, they put donuts, um, they put, you know, they, they'll they'll do all sorts of things to make their beer um, more interesting. Um, you know, I would suggest that's a little bit off the beaten track in terms of traditional ways that you go about making beer. But yeah, I mean, brewers, Maybe it's the beer. I don't know what it is, but they're generally happy people um, with a little bit of a twinkle in their eye and there's a little bit of P.T. Barnum there. And I think that's where all of that stuff, you know, ice beer. I mean, what is ice beer? You know, Um, and uh, it's like, oh, I only drink ice beer. (laughs) Why? Um, And, uh, you know, um, filtered beer. You know, we just had that discussion. Um, And so, you know, there's all... You know, there's all sorts of, um, yeah, I mean, you're right. Brewers brewers use gimmicks to sell beer. Those things were done by the big mass-produced beers, and it's it's to maybe distract you from the fact that you're still drinking regular old Budweiser. It's yeah. just, you're just, it's just coming out quicker when you drink it. I mean, the mass-produced beers were produced that way for a number of reasons. I mean, first of all, you know, beer is, is um, it's hard to, to distribute across a nation. I mean, it's difficult. And so, you know, you can't put a huge amount of flavor in it because obviously those flavors start to start to move around the longer the beer is sort of sitting out in the market. Um, and, you know, the mass-produced brewers, as they produce more beer, they worked on their cost of goods. And so, you know, they found raw materials that were probably more efficient to use. Um, you know, they started using cereal and rice instead of, malt, you know, malted barley. And, you know, eventually the beer became what it became. I mean, it actually, people preferred that taste to sort of rich, you know, rich, flavorful, you know, the rich, flavorful lagers that were made prior to prohibition after prohibition, no one could drink any of them because they felt they were too rich in flavor and alcohol and a whole series of things. So, you know, Americans have to develop a a sort of a lighter version that, that was easier to drink. What is the shelf life, David, when you bottle 805, right? How long is it going to be good in the bottle? Well, it's, it's two things. You know, first of, first of all, shelf life on most brewers' beers is designed to tell you the, the best time to drink it within. Um, it doesn't say, essentially, that after this time, this beer is, 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 is bad for you. Um, you know, beer has alcohol in it. It's, it. You know, if it's made properly, it actually has a pretty long shelf life. Um, but you know we like in the U.S. and this is actually unique to the to, to the to the U.S. Most brewers like their beer to be drunk within sort of 120 days, um, and um, keeping it cold, cold chain from the brewery to the supermarket, and then hopefully in the consumer's hands right into a fridge. 
how do you oversee that process? Because there's a lot of people involved that don't work for you. You know, the people that are driving the trucks. How does that work? So, you know, like a guy didn't take his lunch break and uh, it's sitting in a hot truck for three hours. Yeah. I mean, that's huge. That's, a, I mean, we all, we, we freak out about that as brewers, as brewers of beer that we, you know, that we believe are beautiful and some, some, some of them are quite delicate. Um, so obviously we, the partners we work in, we hope, um, and we, we, you know, we know they're good that, you know, they have the same standards as we do. So all our wholesalers move our beer from our brewery in cold trucks to cold warehouses. They leave it in cold warehouses, then pull it out of cold warehouses, put it in cold trucks, deliver it to the store, um, where it might sit for half a day, maybe a day in the back room, and it'll go straight into a cold fridge. Um, so, you know, that you're just minimizing what you're doing is you're, you're, you're preserving the life of the beer. And what I mean by the life, it's that sort of fresh, vibrant, ripe feeling that you get out of something that's, that's super fresh. When I do order beer, they'll say, do you want that draft or bottle? Yeah. And I never really know how to answer. Oh, you should say draft all the time. Okay. Why? Okay. Why? Well, I mean, okay. Okay. So beer likes to be, beer likes beer. Okay. So a keg is, is 15 gallons of beer. Um, So it's one of the best ways to store beer and that beer, a keg, a keg literally goes from cold chain to cold chain. So when you're actually drinking it, as long as the line is clean that, you know, you're getting it pulled off of, um, you know, that beer is, 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 is truly the best possible way to deliver it to your palate. Once it goes in a bottle, you know, this bottle, um, you know, can can uh, can sit in a back room for a long time. Um, it's 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 not all um, folks keep you know keep beer cool. They might put it in a in a sort of a, a, a dry goods pantry of some sort. Um, and then on top of that, it's a glass bottle that can get light struck, so light can get to it, and light will in turn change change the profile of the beer. Kegs, big dark big dark cylinder that's filled up under pressure and moved from the brewery to the tap in cold chain. So the beer is going to be much brighter and much fresher out of the keg. This is a pro tip, David Walker, Firestone Walker, whenever given the option to have the same beer in bottle or on draft, you always go draft. Oh, amen. Yeah. As long as, like I said, as long as the lines are clean and uh, you know, there's a line that goes from the keg to that tap. If that, and, and, most most bars in America that are properly run, they clean their lines regularly. And, uh, and well, a lot of people don't know this. David Walker actually goes out and cleans all the lines himself. <laughs> That's how much he cares about the quality of his beer. You do. Right? That's right. I sent a little beer back because you know there's something wrong with that line. Sorry, buddy. Something wrong. Yeah. All right. Now, should I do I do I have it out? Do I open it? I, I feel like a, like a hoarder now. I'm like I don't want to. It's my yeah, only I, one. Yeah, I do because I want I want to. I just want to. Yeah, I'll, All send right. you, I'll send you another bottle for the ice Please cream. Please do, okay? because I do All want right. to try it with the ice yeah. cream. Yeah, I, you know what? I'll um, just just head up to the brewery. Can you send me some bottles. ice cream, too? I don't yeah. really want I don't want to do any work here, David. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, the brewery, down the street, I can just go down yeah. the street now. Yeah, there we yeah. go. Yeah. I say I know you. Yeah, I'll have a couple waiting there for you. <laughs> I'm actually, you know what? I'm not going to go to my local place until you're down here. All right, bingo. I'm going to go with you. Okay. How's good. that? Will, that's, 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 it's that's a, a date. That's a, All right. A, here we a, go. Now amen. I've got, this is the right. 2021 Parabola. So yeah. this is a vintage beer. You, every, every year yeah. it changes, right? The, the Correct. flavor profile. Yeah. Okay. So I'm, um, what I, so first of all, this is a beautiful looking bottle, man. I, yeah. I really, that's great looking bottle. So Lots let me, oh my God. 
Yeah, it looks, Jesus, this is darker than a David Fincher movie. <laughs> what, what is going on? Look at this thing, man. It's it's like engine oil. I mean, I mean, it does. Viscous, it looks like yeah. it looks like co- it looks like a really deep coffee or motor oil yeah. or bingo. Yeah. Okay, now let me. Well, well, first, I mean, the chocolate just jumps right. out at me, right? That's bingo. the first thing on the yeah. nose I'm getting. Yeah, I, man, this thing is. <laughs> I can't even. Yeah, that's it chocolate. Is, yeah. Chocolate's my first thing, and then Jesus, I don't even. I'm just gonna drink it. I'm just yeah. gonna drink it right now. Let me. It's a, it, it's a sipping beer. It's like you know, eat it with have that with chocolate cake or. What's the um, alcohol vo- uh, by volume again on this one? About fourteen percent. Oh boy! Wow, it is a lot so, of chocolate malts. And it's a. Chocolate. It tastes like a is a dessert beer. A yeah, absolutely. That you could that I. Absolutely. I, I drink them with dessert. I mean, others don't. Other, uh, a lot of people actually drink them with a good cigar, and it's a sort of a it's, – it's like drinking a cognac for them. Um, this but, is not a session beer. No, it is not. <laughs> it's taken years to create. I mean, it's best thing has been, has been waiting, waiting for that moment that you just gave it. Yeah, unless you're Peter O'Toole, then it's a session <laughs> beer. I thought I'd throw out the no, uh, yeah, no. This is a this is not a beer for the faint of heart, but it's right. but it is very uh, it's complex. It's not. It's, it's very, but it's easy to drink, and I don't yeah. mean that in a in a uh, right in a demeaning way. I'm saying it's not. I when I saw it, I thought, oh boy, right. This, this is- thing's gonna this thing's gonna knock me back, and it, and it, but it really is smooth. Yeah. Oh wow! And I see what you're saying. Like I, if I had a bowl of vanilla ice cream right now, I think I'd be really happy. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a good. It's what's fascinating. I'm great. It's it's great that you chose those beers because you've got really you, you've seen the complete sides of our brewery. You've gone from the the barrel fermented beers all the way to the session beers for the for the guy at the beach. So, well, this this has been really enlightening, David. And I would, you know, honestly, man. For sure, when you come down, I want to go and drink yeah, beer with you. Absolutely. And hopefully, hopefully by that point, we will have opened up enough where we can just bring the bring the show on the road, and we'll go do a show from from Firestone Walker right here in Venice, California. Absolutely. And I'd love to do some yeah. beer and food pairings because I think that's really interesting as well. But I want to congratulate you and the brand on twenty five years, man. That is it's really impressive, and you guys uh, have. You know, like you said, when you started, there were about 400 in America, right. and now there's we're we're creeping up on, yeah. you know, nine thousand. So uh, that's it's quite an accomplishment to to get to that point. And we must be doing something right. So <laughs> you are doing something right, and and I look forward to having you back on the yeah. show because again, man, I'm beer has not been my strength, but now that you've opened my eyes to the fact that I'm I'm not going to blow up by drinking beer. <laughs> I, because I, honestly, I love the taste of beer. I yeah. really do, but yeah. I just got it in my head that if I drink beer, right. I'm gonna get fat. And I, you know, and and it's you're saying that's not the case. It's well, yeah, bingo. Although it's the caloric, the, the caloric count, content of the parabola, that's I know there. is higher than 110. <laughs> yeah, percent I'm gonna, I, I'm, I'm not a dietitian, but yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure I know that this is yeah. gonna be higher than 110 percent, uh, 110 yeah. calories. Yeah. David Walker, thank you. Do, do you want people following you? They go to Firestorm Walker on Instagram, of yeah, course. That's, that's great. No, that's that's uh, that's where they'll find us, and um, and uh, I'll um, I'll make sure that um, I finish off your beer education 
when when I see you in Venice here. In the, in the short, I hope so. I'll, we'll post the video up there too. You can look for it on on WWD underscore podcast at the Imbiber and on the Firestone Walker Instagram, hopefully. And uh, David, look forward to having you back again soon. Thank you. Appreciate it.